Thank you, Pat and the quartet, and for all of you who participate in worship this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to read the 85th Psalm, and so I invite you to open your Bibles and uh, follow along silently as I read aloud. We're going to be thinking this morning about spiritual renewal. Uh, I felt the Lord leading me uh, to talk about that from the 85th Psalm, and so we're going to be thinking about spiritual renewal, revival in our own lives. And before we do that, I'd like to invite us to a time of prayer, a time of silence, to be in God's presence, to simply be and uh, allow you to form your own prayer. Whatever you came burdened about or concerned about this morning, Uh, or perhaps just to be silent in God's presence, and then I'll lead us in a family prayer. Creator and sustainer of the universe, you are our Lord, our love, and our life. And we come back to worship you each week because we know that we need this weekly renewal. We need the daily renewal. We need the moment-by-moment renewal of your Holy Spirit. We hunger for renewal in our own lives, in our church, in our nation, in our world. And we know that that begins by getting a lot of things cleared up in our own hearts, in our own minds, and our own spirits. We pray, dear God, that you might hear our confession of sin. We are oftentimes overcome by self-righteousness. We're often paralyzed by apathy and self-centeredness. We're often uh, frightened and, and unwilling to step out on faith. And we are many times deceived by our own sins. And we pray that you might free us of that self-deception, that we might hear your truth, that you might set us free. Refresh us, Lord, when we are exhausted. Renew us, when we want to give up, and encourage us when we're afraid. In short, Lord, forgive our sins and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We would ask that you minister to the needs of our congregation. There's so much sickness and disease and struggle and broken lives and broken homes. We pray that you would minister to the grieving, those who've lost loved ones. We pray that you would Tend to your world and through all of the chaos bring peace and order and bless with safety those serving in our military. And we pray that you might bless all of our mission partners this morning all over the earth. Be magnified by what we offer you today in worship and thought and word. Help us to hear the text faithfully and humbly and do your work in us. This is our prayer together in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 85, the 13 verses, I'll read them aloud. I invite you to stand if you're able, and I'll read these verses and you listen prayerfully. Listen carefully for the theme of renewal and revival and revitalization and the longing for that in this beautiful psalm. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? 
Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. The word of the Lord, may he bless it. You may be seated. A four-year-old girl was getting ready to eat her favorite lunch, burritos and apple juice. In fact, she was uh, having the privilege of taking her lunch in her playroom. The babysitter had brought lunch to her, and so the little girl decided that she was going to continue playing church. And since she had burritos and apple juice, she was not only going to play church, she was going to pretend to have communion, and she was going to serve the elements to all of her stuffed animals and her baby dolls. And so the babysitter listened just outside the door in the hallway as the little girl flawlessly pronounced the words of institution uh, with the bread. She said, that night Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it, and she went through that just fine. She got a little off track on the cup. Uh, When it came time for that, the little girl said, Jesus took the cup and he said, fill it up with Folgers coffee and wake them up. Now, for those of us who like coffee, we're thinking maybe we're on to something here, a brand new way of doing communion, but I don't think we'll venture into that territory. Although the little girl was on to something very important about waking them up. We need to wake up spiritually. We get get very drowsy spiritually. We need renewal, spiritual renewal, because our hearts grow hard and apathetic. Without even realizing it, we drift, we get consumed with things that don't matter, and, and we get petty in our focus, and, and we, we need that, that spiritual renewal. And on our better days, we hunger for it. We long for it. We, we want it to be. We want it to happen. The 85th Psalm is a, is a, a psalm of, of, uh, of waiting and longing. You can hear the plaintive cry of the psalmist. And scholars like to point out that there are three verb tenses that are used in each set or each stanza. Verses one through three are past tense. As the focus is on, Lord, in years past, you were favorable to the land, you restored us. And then verses five through seven are present tense. Restore us again, will you not revive us? And then verses eight through 13 are future tense. When that happens, Righteousness and peace will kiss. Righteousness will go before the Lord and prepare a way for his steps. This is what will happen when renewal comes. So it's past tense, present tense, and future tense. You see, the the psalm, as best we can understand, was written uh, by a people who had been in bitter exile, carried away by an enemy nation, carried into cruel exile for over 70 years, and And there was no peace. There was no prosperity. 
the golden era of their spiritual lives was something of the past. They were longing for God to do a fresh work. They were broken people and they were hungry for revival and hungry for renewal. Maybe some of us here this morning are that way. The the fire that we used to have for the Lord when we first came to Christ isn't there anymore. That, That desire and motivation to serve Christ just for the sheer joy of serving Christ isn't what it used to be. There's a there's sort of an apathy that has set in. There's a, there's a glazed over sort of normal that's blah. And we realize uh, at times like this that, that we've moved. God hasn't, but we've moved and our hearts have grown cold. And so the 85th Psalm has some affirmations of renewal. And uh, I hate to make lists in sermons because that communicates the message that There are five easy steps to revival or three easy steps to prayer or uh, four buttons to push to make your spiritual life happy. But but I lift up for you a few affirmations just for the point, uh, for the sake of summarizing this beautiful psalm and helping us to get into the real spirit of renewal, renewal. And here's the first affirmation, and it's very simple. Only God can renew us. Only God can renew us. Renewal is not something we manufacture. It's not something we work up. It's not something we manipulate through a church program or through some kind of process in the community. God must grant it. It's interesting that there is a Hebrew verb, shub, we would spell it S-H-U-B, shub or shuv, that is the Hebrew word for restore or revive. But the interesting thing is in verse 1, it's God who turns. Restore your fortunes, Lord. I'm sorry, in verse 3, and when you turn from your wrath, you turned from your hot anger. It's God who turns to us, which makes possible our turning to God. It's God who initiates. It's God who longs to be known. It's God who beckons us, and we can't do it by ourselves. Only God can renew us. That's the first affirmation of renewal. And here's the second one. Renewal comes after we acknowledge our sin and our failure and our brokenness. Renewal comes after we acknowledge our sin, our failure, and our brokenness. Now, that happened for the Hebrew people. They were a broken people. They had to acknowledge before God their sin. We have to do that individually. We have to do it as a church. We have to do it as a community. We have to do it as a nation. We have to do it as a globe to recognize. There there are two words in the 85th Psalm that are used for sin. Both of them appear uh, in in verse uh, 3. I'm sorry, verse 2. He forgave iniquity and pardoned sin. The word sin obviously means transgression. It means to step over a line. It means to go where we're not supposed to go. That's the more obvious meaning of sin. But the other word is iniquity. Iniquity means to take something that was originally intended for good and to twist it or pervert it. It means to take that which was intended for holy purposes and to drag it through the mud or to twist it for our own selfish means. So the psalmist is saying, whatever it is that sin in our lives has to be dealt with. 
Some months ago, I was at a conference, and I met a wonderful uh, woman who's an evangelist, a street evangelist, uh, in one of our major cities in the USA. And she was visiting with me over a meal about the work that she's doing and the passion that she has. And she said, I was working one time with a young man who was selling his body on the street to make a living. He was entrapped in that, in that cycle of despair. And she said, I began to work with him and, and to talk to him about Jesus. And then I began to talk to him about his sins. And she said, I encouraged him when we got to the right place to say to him, you have to dig deep and get that stuff out of your life. And she made it clear to him that you have to dig deep. And it's, it's been a thought of mine as I've reflected on that the few months since I met her, that that's true for the church too. That's, just, that's not just true for people on the street in those big cities. It's true for us. Those embedded attitudes, those, uh, those entrenched biases, those hateful uh, thoughts that we have, those unforgiving uh, attitudes, those, those ways that we have of being that are all about us. We have to dig deep and get that stuff out of our lives. Nothing will change until we dig deep and get it out of our lives. That's what Scripture is inviting us to, and the second affirmation is that renewal comes only after we acknowledge our sin and our brokenness and our failure. Here's the third affirmation. God often uses crisis and pain to bring about renewal in our lives. Have you noticed that? That God is rarely able to work with us when we're full of ourselves and when we're prosperous and when everything is going well. God often uses crisis and pain to do a renewing work within us. It was true for the nation of Israel. It was only when she was broken. It was only when she was brought literally out of her homeland. Everything she'd been trusting in was taken away from her. And then then in that brokenness, God was able to speak and to bring renewal. Now, what we do, same thing Israel did, what we do usually is when we're going through a crisis, we say, God, I don't have time to get close to you right now. I don't have time to renew my walk with you because I'm, I'm dealing with this crisis. I'm dealing with this horrible thing in my life. But just as soon as this crisis is over, I'm going to get back to church or I'm going to get back to God or I'm going to get right with the Lord or I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. But you see, there's always going to be a mess in our lives. There's always going to be a crisis. There's always going to be something that isn't working in our lives. And if we wait till everything is right to come back to the Lord, we're never going to do it. But it's in the middle of that crisis that we understand God is creating an opening in my life. God is creating space in my life. God is working in my life trying to get my attention. And through this vacuum of need, through this space... I want to give God room to work in my life. One of the most reassuring words in the entire chapter is God's steadfast love. It is in Hebrew, chesed, loving kindness, stubborn love. It appears in verse 7. It appears again in verse 10. 
It's God's stubborn love that says God will not let us go. God will keep working with us. God will keep knocking on our door. God will continue to beckon us in the midst of crisis, in the midst of pain to say, let me have your pain. Let me have your life. I want to do a new work inside you. So the third affirmation is that God often uses crisis and pain to awaken us. Here's the fourth affirmation. Renewal is about this world as well as the next world. You know, some people get confused and they think spiritual renewal is only about getting people to heaven. And certainly, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the central call of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, the eternal fellowship with the Lord, that vertical relationship where we get right with the Lord and, and the next world is, a, is the assurance of God's presence forever. But that's not all there is to renewal. Renewal is also about this world. I give you two words from the 85th Psalm to prove my point. The first word is, is righteousness and the second word is peace. Now, righteousness and peace are most often used by us to talk about private and inner relationship with God, righteousness and peace, being right with God, having peace in our hearts. Those those things are true. But if you look up in a Hebrew to English dictionary the word righteousness, here's what you will find. It means being right with God, but it also means being right with others. But it doesn't only mean being right with, it means equity, it means fairness, it means justice, so that it has communal, community, and social implications. The word peace, shalom, it means not only inner peace, it means wholeness, it means the fabric of society is not ripped, it means that which was broken is put together not only in the heart, but in all relationships and in all structures of the world that are to work work for the common good. So righteousness and peace mean much more than just a private little understanding. A couple of examples. When John the Baptist was preaching in Luke, the third chapter, and people came to him, and they asked him what they should do, he didn't say, just get on your knees, confess Jesus, and you'll go to heaven. What he said was, stop extorting other people, Stop bullying other people and stop misusing your power and stop cheating. You see, the gospel word for John the Baptist had social and political and community implications because that's all a part of renewal. A second example, John Wesley. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, went out into the fields and preached a personal experience with Jesus Christ. He preached that we're not really in a relationship with God until it's personal, it's by faith, it's an appropriation and a claiming personally of that experience and relationship. That's conversion. But John Wesley worked just as hard to abolish human slavery. He worked just as hard against structures that hurt people through a very nasty prison system that needed reform. And he worked just as hard at systems that exploited children and had small children working in English factories. He was just as passionate about social holiness 
as he was about inner holiness. Someone has uh, very well said that if religious activity only produces inner change, that cannot be called revival. If religious activity only produces change inside people, that's not spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal only happens when the change is not only inner, but the change is in society. And it seems to me a word that needs to be said in an America that is so divided and so racked with violence and suspicion and people yelling at one another. It seems to me that the church should be the one place where we could have civil, clear, and helpful conversations, nonpartisan, helpful conversations about race, about poverty, about violence, and about the, the issues that are tearing our country apart. The church is the place where those conversations ought to be able to happen. And then, with the psalmist we can say, then righteousness and peace will kiss one another and beautiful things will happen in renewal. So that's the fourth affirmation, that renewal is about this world as well as the next. And here's the fifth and last one, and I'm going to have them put all five on the screen because it's a lot to throw at you at one time. And so, Josh, let's review them. Only God can renew us. Secondly, renewal comes after we acknowledge sin and brokenness. Number three, God often uses crisis and pain to awaken us. Number four, renewal is about this world as well as the next. And here's the fifth one. God's new work won't be, will not be a copy of what has already been. God's new work will be just that. It will be something we don't even imagine and we don't even recognize unless we're open to the Holy Spirit. It will not be a repeat of the past. It will not be what has been. The uh, people of Israel were praying for revival, but you know what they really wanted? They wanted the old good times back again. They really wanted the way it used to be, or, let's think, maybe the way they imagined it used to be. Because I'm not sure that the way it used to be is really all that we remember and all that we imagine. But they wanted things to be the way they used to be. I'll give you a couple of examples. Before the exile, they all came to one temple to worship. Every festival season, they would all stream to the temple. Now in exile, the temple was gone. So a new way of worship sprang up that nobody had ever dreamed of. Synagogues, local, regional synagogues, and the people did not go to Jerusalem. They found out God could come to them. And they worshipped in regional synagogues. Worship and structures were totally different in this time of renewal in a way they never dreamed or never imagined and never prayed for. But you see, because of society pressure and because of God's new thing, God's renewal was different than they imagined. The second example would be more obvious to you. They were praying for revival. They were praying for re uh, renewal, the people of Israel, and they were praying for Messiah to come. But you know what they really wanted? They wanted a political Messiah. They wanted a military messiah. They wanted God to come and fix things in a way that they would like it done. And God sent Messiah all right, but he sent Messiah much later and much differently than they ever 
ever could pray or imagine. We cannot live in the past. When we pray for renewal and revival, we cannot selfishly pray for God to do the old thing. It will be a new thing that God will do, and we have to be open to that. You know what we do? We want to stay in charge. We want to stay in control. We want it to be like it used to be so that we can feel comfortable and we can manage things and we can know who we are and where we are, but God's always inviting us into the new. Think about the caterpillar. Uh, the, the caterpillar, the monarch caterpillar. Uh, not a very pretty animal, I guess, unless, unless uh, not a very pretty insect unless you uh, like that sort of thing, I guess. Uh, every time I see a caterpillar's uh, picture in a book or see one out on the sidewalk or on a tree, uh, I'm reminded of that cartoon that I saw several years ago. A caterpillar was crawling on the ground and looking up, and he saw a monarch butterfly up in the air flying. Can you show that picture, Josh? And the caterpillar looked up at the butterfly, and the caterpillar says, you couldn't get me up in one of those things for a million dollars. But you know what? If the caterpillar really prays for renewal, if he really prays for God's thing to happen, he's going to be up in one of those things. God's going to do something that he didn't imagine could happen. He's going to fly and he's going to be beautiful. But so many times our prayers are caterpillar caterpillar prayers that don't go anywhere because we want it the way it used to be. God is doing a new thing. God's spirit is working. God longs to bring renewal on God's terms, in God's way. I have one question for you. Who's ready? Who's ready? Who here this morning is ready for renewal? hungry for renewal. Let's pray.